Welcome to the Take Back Your Territory podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Wenland. I believe in doing work holistically, spirit, soul, and body, not just searching for the next thing to transform your outside. This is a faith-based podcast to inform you, encourage you, and set you on a path to walk in victory in every aspect of your life. Check out the book, Food Freedom, a faith-based holistic approach to shift you from defeat to victory over emotional eating over on Amazon. Head over to the website, takebackyourterritory.com for more information on coaching, to sign up for the Freedom Newsletter, download free printables, and read testimonials of those who have worked with me. Thank you for joining me today. Be well and be free. Welcome to episode 140 of the Take Back Your Territory podcast. My name is Lindsay. Thank you so much for joining me today. We're talking about a few different topics today in this episode, but we are going to be rooted in, um, well, really, Matthew 6. I'm always directed to Matthew 6, especially when I'm talking about anxiety, um, when I'm when I'm dealing with anxiety or talking about anxiety, and really, we most of us know the scripture, you know Matthew six twenty three, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But I would like to read these scriptures in context, and really dive a little bit deeper into them with you today. So when I was studying this and when I was looking some things up in the original Hebrew, because this word kingdom and this word righteousness and even the word seek, it to me it feels not shallow, but it feels like you can't get the full gravity of what the this chapter and what the words are actually trying to convey here. And so I did a little digging and we're going to get a little nerdy and talk about Hebrew words, but I'm really excited. So I'm actually going to start in uh, Matthew 6, 22. The eye of the lamp, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now, these two scriptures can be seen at from multiple different ways. Um, This from, from Matthew 16 until 24, we're talking about fasting. We're talking about true treasure. We're talking about wealth, which is mammon. And I remember, even just reading this scripture, I remember when I first came to Christ, when I first came to the Lord, and he was, I was 25. Well, I was a kid when I was saved, but when I was 25 is when I recommitted my life. And I remember um, confessing something to my grandma and making a decision that I am no longer going to live this way. In, in my mid-twenties. And after this, she said, your eyes are so clear now. 
and I didn't feel different. I didn't have some, you know, mountaintop experience. But even just confessing, repenting, and walking through the motions of holding on to this revelation that something in my life needed to change and I was working on making those changes. It was physically noticeable that darkness had left and light had come. And so since then, I've, I've often looked at myself in the eyes and I'm, how clear are my eyes? Is there a light behind my eyes? And a lot of times we can't see things for ourselves and, and, and other people can see them. But even when I'm in conversations with people, and if you know, <laughs> sometimes I get jiggy in prayer and, and do some, do deliverance and things like that. And I look in your eyes. Um, yeah. I don't know if I should talk more about that. But anyway, I just think about, especially when, um, when we go into deliverance, when we go in for inner healing, when we go into a, a season of repentance and really allowing the Lord to clean us out and to clean us up and to clean us out. I used to believe that discipline and punishment and chastisement and, um, and condemnation was how God operated. And a lot of that was because of how I was raised and, and some different doctrine in the church. But as I came to know Christ and as I came to know the Lord and the actual heart of the Father, um, He is compassionate towards us. He is just, but He's also kind. And He is compassionate and He is merciful, but He's also stern and strong. And it's, it's all about the righteousness. It's all about His kingdom. But at the end of the day, I don't believe in doing things religiously for salvation. I don't believe in, I'll just, I'll just say this, true repentance means a change of heart. True repentance is not lip service. It's not, oh, I'm so sorry I did this. And then you go right back to the thing that you were doing. And then you confess again, oh God, I'm so sorry that I did this. And then you go right back to do it. That's not true repentance. That might be confession. That might be acknowledgement of sin. But true repentance is, um, is get new information, regret the old way, and make a change. There is uh, things that we do in repentance when we're deciding, you know what? <laughs> I've got new information on this. I've had a revelation um, the Lord touched this place of my heart. The Lord pointed this out in my life that this is no longer good for me. And so I'm deciding to lay this down. I'm deciding to put this behind me. I'm deciding to allow this part of my old self, my old man, to be put in the grave. And we can be combative. We can be rebellious. We can be like, nope, I'm not giving that up. We can completely shut the voice of the Holy Spirit down and allow our hearts to be calloused and desensitized to hearing his voice 
But the amount of times that he calls us to repentance or calls us to obedience and we say no, then that will create a callous on our heart. And that reminds me of a scripture in Ephesians 4. If you want to turn with me here. Y'all, I have a new Bible. I'm still working it out. So I'm in Ephesians 4.17. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their minds. So Gentiles are the people who are not walking with God. They are without God. In the futility of their minds. The word futility here means worthlessness of their minds. Thinking worthless thoughts. Thinking about things that really don't matter. Thinking about rubbish being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they have become callous, having given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust and de of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So a lot of times people think that repentance is, you know, just confession it's just lip service. And other times people think that you have to have some big emotional move. It has to be this whirlwind of emotion that you have to be, you know, on your knees, dry heaving at an altar to receive forgiveness. No. Now, have I experienced both? Have I done, have I participated in both? Absolutely. But God doesn't say in the Bible, his word does not say it's as shallow as confession or that you need to have some big emotional charge in it. We are literally forgiven by faith and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin, who sin against us. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, right? Forgiveness, repentance is an acknowledgement that I have sin in my life. I have places in my life where I've missed the mark. I have spots in my life where I have not turned them over to the Lord. And he's calling me to do that. And we, our will starts coming into alignment with the will of God. And when we start walking in his will, and we start walking in his ways, then we will see his kingdom come. So please don't believe the lie that repentance is just confession or that you have to have some big emotional charge over it. We repent, we can we repent of our sin by faith. That when we go to the Lord wholeheartedly, God, this is 
this is my backpack of garbage. This is what I'm carrying today. I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing with it, but I know that I'm not supposed to be carrying it anymore. I know that I'm not supposed to be participating in this anymore. I don't really, you know, I, I if, if, you, <laughs> if you could hear some of my prayers, you would think I'm a child because most of my prayers are, I don't know how to lay this down. Help me lay this down. I don't know how to stop thinking about this. Help me stop thinking about this. I don't know. You know, I've even tried to forgive people and not allow unforgiveness to cause a bitter root to start to form in my life, a root of bitterness it talks about in Hebrews. And I've even said, God, help me forgive them with your forgiveness because I don't know how to forgive them. And y'all, he is so faithful that he shows up for us in these areas. And so when we go into repentance, please do it by faith. And, and really just understand repentance is you get new information. Hey, this, this way that I've been doing this thing, it's actually been harming me. You know, we talk about things in, in food freedom and the coaching about what we've used in self-protection We've actually, it's actually transferred into self-harm. And we are just continuing to harm ourselves. But when this spirit of repentance, when this anointing comes to say, you know what? This old way that you've been doing things, this old way of self-protection is no longer serving you. It's time to get new information, regret the old way, regret how you've taken care of yourself in the past, regret that you didn't go to God, maybe even regret that you've rebelled, whatever, and make a change. So a lot of repentance is, is decision-making. It's, I'm not going to do that anymore. And a lot of times, personally, I need a plan to move forward. You know, when I was walking through changing the way that I ate and I'm going to be recording a podcast later about what my food freedom looks like now but when I was walking through this repentance and honestly you guys when I talk about it I say it took me four years to get free from this but those four years were four years of repentance where the Lord showed me this is these are your idols this is where you've been running to for comfort this is where you disconnect. This is where you dissociate. This is where you don't come to me. This is what you need to surrender. Y'all, it was, it was four years of, of repentance. And it was freeing and it was healing. But it was really me getting new information, regretting my old way of doing things, and deciding to make a change. And in that change, I had to create a plan. Well, then this is how the Lord is leading me to eat. This is how the Lord is leading me to move my body. This is how the Lord is leading me to speak over myself. This is how the Lord is leading me to take this thing by faith and declare that I already am free because the word says so. And that was a season of repentance. So there are tons of things flying around in our world. There's, there's war, there's viruses, there's 
misinformation, there's division, there's chaos and disorder, there's fear. And even something that has personally touched my family is, is, you know, inflation. Like our grocery bills used to be $250 a week and now they're $450 a week and we're not buying anything different and we didn't get a raise. <laughs> so how are we actually going to do this and afford our life? And that creates an anxiety and anxiety is, is often fear. Um, I used to just say that anxiety was fear alone, but one of my dear friends also pointed out that anxiety is a form of pride. And when I dug deeper into this form of pride that manifests as anxiety, I saw that it was fear, but it was also control. And when we have anxious thoughts, let's just, because the scriptures are talking about food, talking about money, talking about our body, when we are afraid of what we're putting into our body, whether we don't have the money to, to buy food, whether we don't have the money to clothe food or clothe ourselves, or even going into fear of not making the right choices with food, there's obviously a fear there but there's also a level of control and when it comes to emotional eating and binge eating the biggest thing that I think people have come to acknowledge that was like a total mind shift for them was that you feel so out of control with these things. Maybe you feel out of control in your spending or your eating or your drinking or, you know, what comes out of your mouth or your thoughts. But it's actually a deception because we're actually still in control. It's just a perverted control. It's just a false, it's a, it's a false version of control. I f used to feel so out of control with my eating, so out of control with food, and the Lord said to me, this is actually how you control. This is how you're controlling your emotions. This is how you're controlling how people see you. This is how you're controlling, this is how you're controlling everything still. So anxiety is fear. It's also pride. And the little influences of that pride are control and not surrender. It says in Matthew 6, 25, and we're going to go down through 34. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is life more than food? Is not, is not life more than food? and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. Do they not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them? Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you so worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. Jesus, 
here is taking Solomon's temple. Solomon, the richest king. He had, I don't know how many wives, 70 wives and like almost 300 concubines. I don't know exactly. Don't quote me on it. He had all this gold and all these jewels and all of the servants and all of the animals and this huge kingdom. And Jesus is comparing lilies of the field are more beautiful and more glorified than Solomon and everything that he had in all of his glory. But if God so clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow it is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. Do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all of these things for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. So think about this. He's, he's literally saying, if you're worrying about what you will eat, if you're worrying about what you're going to drink, if you're worrying about what you're going to wear, really this is talking about provision. But I can even take this a little step further into my little realm of understanding and bring it into fear of what not to eat. The Lord is going to provide you all of these necessary things. He's going to provide you what you need to eat. He's going to provide you what to drink. He's going to provide you what to wear. But he's also going to show up for you when you need help with what not to eat and with what not to do. <laughs> There's something that we do here in, in, in the Food Freedom Coaching is that we ask the Holy Spirit, because we are temples of the Holy Spirit, we ask him what we should be feeding our bodies. I can't tell you what to eat for your body, and you can't tell me what to eat for my body because you don't know how my body responds. You don't know how I react. You don't know my triggers. Only the Holy Spirit does, and only I do, when I'm being mindful and when I'm aware. So it is unwise for us to continue to pay money. It is unwise for us to continue to go into fear and go after these worldly ways of thinking, these worldly ways of doing, and these worldly ways of eating. It is like the Gentiles, those without God, who are worried about these things. It is the worldly people that are concerned about their bodies, that are concerned about, you know, the aesthetics of their bodies, about how clean their diet is. Now, hear what I'm saying here. I'm not saying that we are not to be responsible or stewards of what we put in our mouths. In fact, I say that if you can control three things and three things only, it is what you think, what you say, and what you eat. But to concern ourselves, to worry, to fret over these things is the way that the world does them. So sure, maybe you need a little education in nutrition. Maybe you need to understand the difference between a carb and a fat and a protein. Maybe you need to learn a few things. But that still goes back with 
that term of repentance, get new information, regret the old way, and make a change. We don't need to be told what to do by the world. We need to ask our Heavenly Father, who is our provider, who is Jehovah Jireh. Hey God, I have a lack of information here. I have fear here. I have worry here. I have some hang-ups here when it comes to my diet, when it comes to my food. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit, so Holy Spirit, please tell me how I should eat. Help me develop a plan and convict me when I'm falling back into old patterns. And it is sounds much easier than it is, but this is a daily discipline of walking this out. We do these things with intentionality. When we feel ourselves getting afraid, when we feel ourselves going into control, when we feel ourselves going to fix-it mode, we have to intentionally disengage from those feelings and engage in faithfulness, in self-control, in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. When we talk about that scripture in Ephesians 4 about taking off the old man, being renewed in our minds, and putting on the new man, taking off the old man and putting on the new man are active verbs. They are what we are to do. We don't do them passively. We do them actively. Just like to armor up, to put the armor of God on, that is not just, oh, I woke up and I, and you know, I've heard people say, well, I didn't, I never took off my armor, so I don't have to put it on in the morning. No. We intentionally wake up and put on armor. We intentionally wake up to protect ourselves, but also engage in spiritual warfare. It is no longer a time where we can sit down passively as Christians or people of the word or, or followers of Christ. Even the word Christian, I believe, has lost all connotations. It's lost its meaning. If you are a follower of Christ, if you are a disciple of Christ, you will be engaging in spiritual warfare. And if you're not engaging in spiritual warfare, then you are passively allowing the enemy to wreak havoc in your life. And I do believe that the Lord is leading me to go into more teaching on spiritual warfare, more teaching on deliverance, more teaching on these things. But I'm waiting for the right time. But I know that it's coming. Y'all, we have to wake up. We have to understand that there is a war, that times are just getting darker. And I'm not trying to instill any fear in you, but we need to get over this food thing. We need to get over this body thing. We need to get over this fear thing. We need to get over ourselves, honestly. 32, it says, the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, but your heavenly father knows that you need all of these things. But in 633, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So how do we seek God's kingdom and his righteousness and his glory? This word here, to seek, means to go after first. 
it is to look to first. If we are seeking after his kingdom, we are seeking after his will and his ways. The Hebrew here, no, it's Greek, sorry. The Greek here in uh, Matthew 6.33, to seek is zeteo. Zeteo, it means to seek in order to find. That means that it's intentional thinking, meditating, reasoning, that we are inquiring into We are seeking after, we are going after, we are aiming at, we are striving after. And it even goes so deep as to say that we are craving and that we are demanding God. So in your practices, in your life, in your decisions, in your, as simple as what you're eating, are you seeking the Lord? In what you're saying, are you speaking what God speaks? Are you saying what he says? When we are in alignment with his will, and we're in alignment with his ways, then we are in alignment with his kingdom. And this kingdom here in the Greek is his right. It is his authority to rule. It is his reigning over a kingdom. This kingdom is the royal power of Jesus. It is his territory. And everything in it is subject to him. Just think about that. Am I seeking God? And am I seeking his rule and his reign and his final word and his authority over these places in my life? Or am I allowing the world to speak and have authority over Is this territory that I have, my territory, is it also God's? Have I surrendered this? Have I surrendered my eating, my thinking, my speaking, my spending, my loving, my living? Have I surrendered that to God? Because all of these things are my territory, but they are also his territory. And if we are to be Christ followers, we must be in a place of submission to him. Jesus went around saying, and so did John the Baptist, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Get new information. Regret the old way. Make a change, for God's territory is right here. If And I've said this before, but it's been a while since I've said this. The more we allow God to take up territory within us, the more of his kingdom will come into us. Something that I've been talking about in what Take Back Your Territory actually is, is allowing ourselves to do the work and separating from our experience of life. So when we are you know, seeking his kingdom, seeking his territory to come into us, to make its home, make, you know, obviously the Holy Spirit making um, a dwelling place within us. And we're allowing God to rule and reign and dominate our lives and our thinking and our speaking. 
This means that sin and pain and trauma are not dominating our lives. They're not dominating our thoughts. They're not dominating um, how we're following the Lord. And to differentiate is incredibly difficult. Um, part of the work that I'm going after and and that I'm hopefully will be writing about and recording about in when we separate our experience of life and we start walking fully as we are in Christ fully in his kingdom fully in fully in his will fully in his ways what we're doing is demolishing strongholds we're demolishing idols what happens along this journey of life is that we will pick up idols and we'll say I'll let you define me I'll worship you I'll let you speak over me I'll let you rule and reign me and we do this by because we're deceived we do this because we live in a fallen world um, you know obviously the enemy is the accuser of the brethren he lies to us he's the father of lies deception all of those things so if we continue to walk in this false life if we continue to think things about ourselves and say things about ourselves and have ideas about our lives that are contrary to the word of God that are contrary to the design of God then at some point we will have a ceiling on our lives but what happens when we start learning the word and we start hearing the voice of God and we start surrendering these places to him for his kingdom to come in we start understanding that oh this wasn't what you had for me all along you didn't have the grave for me you didn't have death for me you didn't have pain for me or trauma for me or rejection for me what God has had for us all along is love and grace and compassion and mercy and acceptance and so even when we begin to start walking through getting you know when we receive this new information and we regret or we just even acknowledge oh that's that's my old way of thinking that's my old way of doing that's my old way of speaking that's my old way of eating and we start making these changes we are allowing God to come into those old stories, those old narratives, and those lies and rewrite the story. Have you allowed God to come into those hard places and work on giving you new information about yourself, giving you new information about Him? giving you new information about his character and his will and his ways about you and the way that he operates. And have you allowed God to change you? Have you allowed repentance to come into your heart? Have strongholds been torn down and idols been crushed?
you are God's property as Christ. You are his property. You are his territory. And the more you let him in, the more freedom and healing you will receive. When we look at this word righteousness, um, it is the condition acceptable to God, approval, integrity, virtue, justice. But it's also how you ought to be. God planned all along for you to walk in righteousness. He planned all along for you to walk with him still in the cool of the day in the garden. He never planned on you being separated from him. And the second that it happened, he had a rescue plan. So when we seek God, when we seek his kingdom, when we seek his righteousness, we are also finding and going back to our original design. The original way that God created you to be without sin, without blemish, without the trauma, without the pain, without the experience of this life. We are to replace this anxiety, replace worry with concern for the kingdom. A habit or passion can only be given up for a greater habit, a greater passion. So think about this. If you're trying to walk in freedom, if you're trying to walk in, in, you know, truly walking in repentance or just making a change in your life, changing your behavior, we can't just focus on the behavior change. We can't just say, well, this isn't a good idea for me anymore, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna change my behavior. We actually have to fix our eyes on something greater. And the way that I teach people over in Food Freedom is we talk about values, we talk about, you know, we talk about original design, we talk about our big why and reframing it and removing the the view of just altering our outsides, but focusing on what the Lord can do on the inside. And we also bring in calling and things like that. If you have something that you're trying to break right now, and, and I will say this, I will preface saying this with, with this, is that if you want breakthrough in your life, then that means that something is going to have to break. And a lot of times it is our own will it is our own ways. It is our own ways of controlling that are going to have to break in order for breakthrough to come. A habit or passion can only be given up for a greater habit or passion. So if you are walking through taking off this old man, please focus on God. Focus on his kingdom. Focus on his righteousness. Focus on freedom. Focus on, it, it isn't about getting right with God at all, because Jesus already did that. It's all about, he did this for me, and so I'm going to do this. And we don't do it in striving. We don't do it in a spirit of trying to prove ourselves or trying to prove our worth or anything like that. We do it 
in a spirit of love. We are to commit to find and commit to do the will of God. We are to ally ourselves with his purpose. This commitment to God, seeking him, his kingdom, his righteousness, this must come first. We don't seek God so that we get things. We don't seek the hand of God. We are to seek the face of God. We aren't to seek the healing. We are to seek the healer. We aren't to seek the deliverance. We are to seek the deliverer. Every single decision that you make, and think about that word repentance here, every single decision that you make will either reinforce or it will deny. So when you're making decisions, when you're walking through repentance, getting new information, regretting the old way, making a change, these are all decisions. And they will reinforce what you're going after. Or they will deny. They will reinforce I am a person of faith and that's the direction that I'm going. Or they will deny it. I like to say that, you know, obviously it says that God doesn't, you know, judge man as the world does. He does not judge the outward appearance, but he looks at the heart. God looks at the motives. God looks at the reasons behind everything that we do. And a lot of times we don't even know our own reasons for what we do. I'm, I'm hoping that as you're walking this with me and as you're walking your life with Christ, that you will become mindful of the decisions that you're making. That you will ask, is this allowing God's kingdom to come into my life or am I denying it? Am I reinforcing my faith or am I denying it? Am I living in a season of repentance because, y'all, I fully believe that, you know, not every season is a season of repentance, but But as we get older, as we grow, and as we learn these things, we should be making the decision of, this is no longer serving me because I serve Christ. And take these things off. Take these idols. Take these old garments. Take these heavy blankets. Take these yokes. Take these strongholds. Take these experiences and the trauma and the pain and the heartache and the unforgiveness and the pride and the control and surrender them. And do it faithfully and continue to reinforce it by not picking those things back up. Thank you for joining me today. Until next time, be well, be free, and keep moving forward.